Why don't you put a shout with it right now? But shout with understanding. Come on, somebody clap your hands and shout with an understanding. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. Woo! Well, I know it's Monday night, but it'd be a good night for somebody to get a breakthrough. Be a good night for somebody to come out of the depression you've been fighting. Come out of the anxiety you've been fighting. Come on, it'd be a good night for somebody to start walking in victory and power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Woo! Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Let me start preaching before we just blow this thing to bits and we ain't got nothing left to preach. Psalms chapter 46, 47, 48. I'm going to read a few verses from each of them. Uh, tonight, I'm going to basically pick up where we left off last night. Is that okay? Can I preach a series here? Is that okay in Spokane? Good. Because I promise y'all don't want me preaching until I'm done. <laughs> I'll let you fill that in for yourself. Y'all don't want me preaching that long. Give honor tonight to the wonderful pastor and first lady of this church. I love and appreciate them so much. They are indeed the kind of people that a young couple such as myself and my wife can look up to. And I appreciate them so very much. Thank you for the room. Listen, I'm just going to say this tonight. And, and I'm probably not going to say it the rest of this revival, okay? So thank you for the room. That basket had so much stuff in it. I don't, I don't even know where y'all get these baskets baskets, but they're like four foot deep, and uh, thank y'all for that. I'm trying to lose weight. You're not helping, praise God, uh, but thank you for all of the amenities and for your hospitality. I love this church. I love the kingdom of God. How about you? Amen. Now, I want you to pay close attention to the nature of the writing here. This Psalm, Psalm chapter 47 is sandwiched between 46 and 48. Well, no does, Sherlock. I know you can count, but uh, there, this song is to be sang with, um, in conjunction, if you will. So Psalms chapter 46 is verse 1, 47 is verse 2, and 48 is verse 3. If we were to put it in today's uh, format of singing, Psalms 46 and 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed. I want you to pay attention to this. It's not going to make no sense till I get almost done. Then it'll start making sense. It says, though the, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. Let's go to verse 1 of chapter 47. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. It says, for the Lord most high is terrible. This is the Old Testament uh, vernacular way of saying awesome. For the Lord most high is terrible. He is a great king over the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us. The excellency of Jacob, whom he loved, Selah. Verse 5 is very important. It says, God is gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Chapter 48, verse 1. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation. 
The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is known in her palaces for a refuge. I want to preach tonight one more time with your help and the help of the Lord. Songs for the sons of Korah. Amen. Would you lift your hands with me right now and let's pray together. God, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. We give you thanks. There's nobody like you. There's nobody beside you. You're wonderful in everything that you do, God. We pray. Come on, help me pray. Don't leave me by myself. God, we pray right now that the anointing of the Holy Ghost would flow through this house and shake us. God, wake us up. Let us have revival like we've never had on personal levels here tonight. God, on this Monday night, I'm asking you to do big stuff. Do big stuff in this house tonight. God, do miracles that we can't explain. God, do miracles that doctors can't explain. Do miracles that lawyers can't explain. Do miracles that scientists can't explain. God, in this house, on this Monday night, I'm asking you, Lord, to do miracles that even the church can't explain. It was nobody but Jesus on a Monday night. God, I'm asking you to do it now. Begin it now. Work now. Heal now. Deliver now. Set free now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, somebody clap their hands and shout unto God. Oh, come on, I think you can do a little bit better than that even on Monday night. Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of victory, with a voice of triumph, with a voice that says, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the lender and not the power. I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the... Hallelujah. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Yesterday afternoon, quick recap, we found out that the sons of Korah decided to take upon themselves the ministry that their father forfeited by rebellion. We found out that they had a purpose of carrying the holy things of God, the anointing, the vials for anointing, and the altar of sacrifice. They, they figured out how to become a worshiper and not just go through the motions of church like their daddy had done. They figured out that there's more to this than just clapping to clap, but you have to clap with an understanding. Again, I'm not even supposed to be here. But let me ask you a question. What good is a worshiper that's a wimp? I'm feeling my Mississippi anointing getting on me right now. What good is a worshiper that doesn't know how to put a sword in his hand? Ooh, help me, Jesus. I feel like getting ahead of myself right now. What good is somebody that comes to church and, and shouts and dances and talks in tongues but goes home and lets the enemy run them all over the place? I believe that one of the traps of our generation is the fact that the devil has deceived our people into thinking that if I dance, that means I'm delivered. God forbid we ever become a generation that shouts about everything and don't stand up for anything. 
God forbid we ever become a church uh, that knows how to play the right song and, and, and run the aisles, but then we go home uh, and we let the enemy take every bit of territory from us uh, that we took on Sunday afternoon. God uh, forbid that there'd be somebody in this church tonight uh, that came into church uh, and, and you've got a shout in your voice, uh, but there's no power behind it. God uh, raise up a worshiper that knows how to get a sword in their hand uh, and go out on the battlefield field and fight the good fight of faith. Just because you shout don't mean you have victory, but let me tell you something, honey. When you got victory, you'll shout about it. What I'm shouting about on Sunday afternoon isn't just because I know he set me free. It's because he gave me dominion to walk in on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and when everything goes upside down. I'm preaching already to some of you right now. When everything gets turned upside down, I got enough Holy Ghost in me to walk back to the house of God with my head held high and a sword in my hand and say, devil, I'm still here. I'm not just a worshiper, but I'm a warrior too. And as a warrior, I'm coming to take some land. Hallelujah. Say, well, I don't know if you really have Bible to back all this up. I'm so glad you asked me to bring the Bible into it because it's intriguing to me. In 1 Chronicles chapter 20, when Jehoshaphat is surrounded by Moab and Haman, that the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon a man that was in the camp. He began to prophesy. And in this prophetic word, he said, you need to set the praisers out front. Now, we about to go to battle. We about to go fight. And you want us to send worshipers out front? The Bible says that Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 18. And in verse 19, it says, and the Levites and the children of the Kohathites of the children of the Korites. If you're not careful, you'll just read right through that and you'll understand. You'll miss the fact that God's people are surrounded and God said, I need somebody that knows how to go to the front and they know how to get some battle done. And God said, I don't just need a worshiper that knows how to praise me. Jehoshaphat said, when I put somebody out on the front line, I don't just need a worshiper. I need somebody that's got a backbone too because if this thing don't work, I need somebody that knows how to use a sword. If, if this plan A goes to pot, then I got to have a plan B. Give me a Korite, somebody that knows how to put a sword in their hand. You want to know what their original job was? It was to carry the holy things of God because if they ever got attacked, they needed men that knew how to be men that would pull their sword out and say, you're not touching the man of God. You're not touching the anointed things of God. You're not touching the altar of sacrifice. You're not touching the Ark of the Covenant. This is holy and it's not up for discussion if you can in heaven or not, God raised up another generation in Spokane, Washington of people that'll make up in their mind whatever's holy, I'm going to protect it. I'm not just a worshiper. I'm a warrior. Hallelujah. So clap your hands and shout unto God with a voice of triumph, but do it with understanding and do it knowing that you are anointed to be a child of God that'll get in the face of the devil and say, we are not for sale. We are not backing up. We will have revival. We will have a breakthrough. We will build another church. 
Oh, I can't hear you. I said, we're going to build another church. Uh, preacher, we ain't filled this one up yet. We might by the end of this revival, baby. Uh, somebody, somebody needs to get in the Holy Ghost uh, and get your sword out and get out on the battlefield. Clap your hands, uh, all ye people, and shout uh, with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. It's intriguing to me that a son of Korah anoints David to become king of Israel. A man after God's own heart that is indeed a worshiper. Oh, help me, Jesus. But he knows how to fight, Bishop Mayo. It's a son of Korah that anoints David. See, I, I think that's the biggest difference between David and Saul. Saul is always trying to put his weapons in other people's hands. Saul sees Goliath out of the battlefield and David asked to fight him and he said, here, take my armor. First Samuel chapter 16, it says that there wasn't a, a sword in the hand of anybody but Saul and Jonathan. And as Jonathan's armor bearer goes to fight against the Philistines in First Samuel chapter 17, it says that he went behind Jonathan slaying the Philistines. Where did he get his sword from? Say, well, he could have picked one up on the battle. Yes, he could. But he also had access to Saul's sword. Saul knew how to be a worshiper. There was something about him that just didn't quite know how to be a warrior. Because you can find on a day, oh, help me, Jesus. You can find on the day that he is commanded by God to kill all that is connected to the Amalekites, that he continues to try to worship his way when he should be trying to war his way through what he's going through. And he goes and he takes Agag, the king of Israel, and he's bringing back all of the fine cattle and sheep for a sacrifice. And it is a son of Korah that comes and takes Saul's sword and chops Agag up into little pieces. You want to know what the, what's the prophet Samuel was saying, Saul, it's not enough to just be a worshiper. Saul, it's not enough to just sacrifice unto the Lord. Saul, it's not enough to just come to church and clap your hands. Saul, it's not enough to just go through the motions of what we do during revival. But the Oh my God, the kingdom of heaven suffered violent and the violence got to take it by force. That what Samuel was trying to teach Saul is you've got to be able to shout on Sunday and fight on Monday. So pull out your sword and fight. It is, it is the sons of Korah that went out to battle with David in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 that are listed there. But there, there is more to this than what just scratches the surface. In order to get the full meaning of what they were singing, we have to understand the origin of the words that they are using. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. And the original Hebrew word here, Brother Mayo, is the Hebrew word takah. Oh, to cut your hands, all ye people. And it means to clap. Well, that's pretty self-explanatory, preacher, don't you think? Yeah, but it also means to thrust a weapon. 
Ooh, help me, Jesus. I'm about to have a come apart right now. What he was saying when these men were, were getting ready to sing this song, they weren't just saying, come to church and put your hands together. But they were saying, when you come to church and you do it with understanding, you don't do it for formality. You don't do it because what your neighbor's doing. You don't do it because the preacher said to do it. But you do it with an understanding of what you're really doing. You're, you're clapping your hands. But while you're clapping your hands, you're thrusting your weapon. Let me just preach it like this in Spokane. This is how I fight my battle. Devil, you thought I was just going to come to church and go through the motions? But this is how I fight, and this is how I win. I'm not just clapping a clap, Brother Mayo, but when I clap my hands, I'm thrusting a weapon into every spirit of depression, into every spirit that's trying to stop the church. When I clap my hands, I'm thrusting my weapon into every stronghold that's... Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph, but do it with understanding. David writes a sister scripture in Psalms chapter 144 and verse 1. Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. My goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield, and he have I put my trust, who subdueth my people under me. Don't you remember just a few moments ago, we read in chapter 47 and verse 3, he shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. What God was trying to tell us, quite literally, spiritually, in that moment, and this is, this is natural, and we're going to get to the natural side of it here in a few moments, but this is spiritual. He said, when you clap your hands with an understanding of what you're doing, you're subduing nations under your feet. He teaches your hands to war and your fingers to fight, and he puts the people under you. Now, we have to understand, in that day and time, it was a literal people. It was a people that was coming to fight against God's people. But in this day and time, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against spiritual leaders. We're coming against the, the, the things that are coming against us are things that are very dark, that are very, very, very big devils. And let me just tell you, on your own, you are no match for the spirits of the Northwest. You know what? I know. I know without a shadow of a doubt, this little Mississippi boy, I ain't nothing against the spirits of the Northwest. But when I have a revelation of what I'm doing, yeah. let me tell you something. I understand. I was raised in the South, and so let me just tell you, it, it bugs me. And, and me and Brother Mayo have had this conversation before. I'm, I'm from the South. I was raised in the South. Everything I know is back there. But there's just something about Southern culture, church. Y'all don't tell them I said this. That just kind of gets on my nerves because I've been to churches where they don't want to let the kids run. And I, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh, my God, what are you doing? You don't want to let the kids run around the church. You know what you're doing? You're teaching them how to fight their battles. It does my heart good to see these young men and young ladies uh, take a lap around the church. Uh, you want to know why? Because they're figuring out at eight years old, uh, this is how I fight. And if I can fight at eight, uh, it'll work when I'm 18. Uh, and it'll work when I'm 20. 
Come on, is there an elder that got a testimony that this brought me through, this brought me over? I ain't always done everything right, but when I started getting in the spirit and I started clapping my hands, I started putting stuff under my feet. Hallelujah. If you're spiritually sensitive right now, if you're spiritually sensitive right now, you could feel the shift that just happened about three minutes ago. You know what happened? The devil don't like this kind of preaching. The strongholds of the Northwest don't like this kind of preaching because we're figuring out it's not just the preacher that tears down the stronghold, but everybody that's got the ability to clap their hand. Yeah. It's a song for the sons of Korah. We might not ever figure out their name, but baby, they're fighting battles and they're tearing down strongholds. When they come to church on a Monday night, you're tired, you've been at work all day, hell's been fighting you, but this is how I fight my battle. This is how I do war. This is how I take dominion. Somebody ought to give God about 30 seconds of your best praise right now. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. If I was the devil, I'd be putting up a big block fence right now because I got a feeling that somebody's going to leave here tonight and they're going to go take some stuff that he stole back. But you're not just going to take what he stole. You're going to take some other stuff that he's been holding out. That didn't even belong to you to begin with. But you're going to walk into the devil's territory. And you're not just taking what the devil stole, but you're taking everything the devil has. It's revival on a Monday night. It's breakthrough on a Monday night. We're tearing down strongholds on a Monday night. This is a song for the sons of Korah. This is a song for a people that are ready to take over. It is. In the ancient Hebrew, this word for ka, by analogy, it's like the ancient Egyptian languages. In the ancient Hebrew, there were picture graphs. And in this picture graph of the Hebrew word taka, it literally shows a picture, the analogy of driving a tent stake. It is the same word that is used in the book of Judges chapter four when Jael calls Sisera into the tent and goes to sleep. But it's bigger than this. I love this Bible stuff. It's bigger than this though. It's not just laying your enemy down and putting a tent stake through his head. It's the picture of warfare done in the Old Testament. You would come out, as you can see in many different battles, particularly in the story of David and Goliath, it's 
it's stressed here a little bit stronger. Is that Goliath would come out to the valley in between. <coughs> when God's people would come out and they would fight, and this is a picture of how warfare was done. You had somebody over here on this side and somebody over there on that side. And they met in the middle and they fought. And whoever won the battle that day would go home and move their tents closer to the battlefield. And then they would go back the next day and they would fight again. And they would go home and they would tear down their tents and they would move closer to the battlefield until the battlefield began to slip from the place that it was towards the border of your enemy. And what God was saying here, when he said, oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. He was trying to show us, draw us, rather, a picture of a tent that is being moved from the place where you used to be to the place closer to the place that you're going. And every time you come to church and you clap your hands with understanding, you're moving your tent stake from the place that you used to be, and you're getting closer to where... It's the prayer of Jabez. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. It's not just the blessing that we want to think of. The blessing comes from the enlargement of moving the tent from point A to point I came with a prophetic word for Cornerstone. You're tearing down your tent and you're moving it closer to the land of your enemy. You're tearing down your tent and you're moving it closer to a 500 soul revival. You're moving it closer to dominion. You're moving it closer to the breakthrough. That's why the devil don't like it when we clap our hands. That's why on Monday night, the devil come, come to you and told you, well, it's just Monday night. You don't, you don't really have to exert too much energy. It's, it's just Monday night. Why don't you just go to church and put it in cruise control and clap when they tell you to clap? You better clap with an understanding. Listen. You can do what you want to do when I leave, but as long as this evangelist is standing in this pulpit, it's all gas and no brakes. We're going as hard as we can go, and we're going to get to where God wants us to get to. You can do what you want to do when I leave, but I feel like I got the anointing of this pastor behind me. We're going somewhere in this revival. It's all gas, no brakes. So you might as well take the brakes off your pickup truck, baby, and let's go, let's go. Let's go. Somebody move the tent. Somebody get to where God's wanting you to be. Come on, you're going to another level. You're going to the next dimension. You're going to walk in dominion. It's the same word. It's, there's like 47 words of this. I might have to preach part three tomorrow night. I'm, 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 I'm going to try to get through this tonight, but I might have to come back tomorrow night. So it's the same word that is used. It's the word to call. Another definition is used in Joshua chapter 6 when they go to Jericho, when they go into the promised land. They go to a place where milk and honey flow. They go to the place of dominion. 
They go to the place of authority. They go to the place where the demoniac walks into church on Monday night and before he can even get in the building, he's getting deliverance. I felt that in the Holy Ghost just then. They, they, they go to the place where the alcoholic gets out of their car and they automatically sober up as soon as they step foot on the parking lot. They're transitioning from where they've been just getting by. God has brought them out of the land of bondage. God has brought them out of captivity. And then he brought them to a place to where they were sustained day by day. If Brother Jerry Rowley was here tonight, he would say the place from not enough to just enough. But then there's another step to that where God says, I'm taking you to more than enough. And this is the place where this word is entered. They are getting ready to cross over. And with the takah or the blast of a trumpet, the walls of the city, begin to shake and tremble as they begin to shout with a voice of triumph. The walls that were keeping them out of the land that God had anointed and appointed them to walk in began to crumble. The thing that had been keeping them from walking where God wants them to walk was diminishing before their eyes. When they took out and you think for one moment, that it's just formality? You think for one moment that you don't have any power when you just come to church? It, it's, it's more than just I'm not supposed to be here. It's I'm going to somewhere else I'm not supposed to be either. It, it's more than God saved me, God changed me, God filled me. It's God's taken me to a place uh, that I'm not, I'm not even authorized to be there. It's a land uh, full of houses I didn't build uh, and vineyards I didn't plant. But when I clap my hands, uh, it's me letting God know I'm glad to be here. But it's me letting the devil know I'm coming for your territory. Uh, it's me letting God know, thank you for saving me. Uh, thank you for changing me. Uh, but it's me letting the devil know, baby, you better get ready because we're going to tear your kingdom down. And this is important because everybody knows and knows anything about Scripture that Joshua in the Hebrew translate to Jesus in the Greek. And the word takah links the two of them together. Simply by understanding what I told you a few moments ago, what happens in Psalms 46, 47, and 48, this is one Psalm, verse one, verse two, verse three. And when you put these songs together, you understand that the writer is not just singing, but he is prophesying. And these are prophetic of things that take place at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. Psalms 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear. Though the earth be removed, though the waters roar, though the mounds be 
out in the sea, which all correlates with Revelation chapter 6 and verse 14. He then says, there is a river. That's the millennial river in Ezekiel 47 and Revelation 22. The heathen raged. The earth melted. This is all taking place in Revelation chapter 20. This Psalms chapter 46 is quite literally a picture of Revelations 1 to Revelations 20. And everything that happens in between. And I don't have time to preach this all the way through tonight because I'll get into next week's and I'm already on borrowed time right now. And so what's happening here in, in Psalms 46 all the way through this chapter, it's a picture of Revelations from, again, from Revelations chapter one to Revelations chapter 20. The heathen raged, the earth melted. All this is taking place in Revelation chapter 20 in the final battle between God and Magog and Satan himself uh, and, and the fire comes down from heaven and it devours them and the devil is thrown into the lake of fire. And so this, this battle is John turns the page and he begins Revelation chapter 21 and he said I saw a new heaven and a new earth and this holy city coming down remember last night when I had you to imagine with me what it looked like to walk into the temple what it looked like when you come into the temple of Solomon all of the gold all of the silver all of the pearls and the mighty things that that were there in that great temple. Now I want you to picture walking into heaven. It's the same picture. And so quite literally, I've got enough evidence to back this up for 20 years. Quite literally, the Orthodox Jews believe that this song, or I'm sorry, the Messianic Jews believe that this song, Psalms chapter 47, is the song that will be sang at the end of time when the final battle has come. And Christ, when the battle is over, Gog and Magog are defeated. Satan himself is thrown into the lake of fire. Hell itself is thrown into the lake of fire. And they believe that on the ascension of that day when the final battle is over that Psalms chapter 47 and verse 1 is the psalm that they will begin with so when it's all said and done the psalm will be saying oh clap your hands all ye people and shout unto God with a voice of triumph that's why in verse 5 it says God has gone up with a shout and the Lord with a sound of a trumpet it's a picture of the rapture baby do you realize the reason the devil don't like you with understanding uh, is because every time you clap uh, you're reminding him of a day uh, that is final uh, that is set uh, that is that he can't do anything about uh, he can cuss uh, he can fuss uh, he can throw a fit uh, but there is a day uh, where captivity will be led captive uh, there is a day uh, where death hell and the grave uh, will be overturned Now you can see the picture of Psalms chapter 48. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our cop. That's Jerusalem. That's the new Jerusalem. In the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation. Baby, let me tell you, if you want to see something that's beautiful for situation, it's a place called heaven. And it's a song that's going to be sang. When I walk on the streets of gold, oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout.
Musicians, come, I'm done. Maybe. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, my brother back there in the corner got it. Some of y'all still pondering, what are we clapping about? We're reminding the devil of a day that he's already defeated. Listen, baby, I've preached in dead churches. You can set on me if you want to. It don't bother me. I'm going to preach the same way. I'm not trying to get you to clap your hands to make me preach better. I'm trying to get you to clap your hands to make every spirit that's been fighting you run and hide. I'm trying to get you to clap your hands to make every spirit that's been trying to tear apart your family to understand there is a day that God's people will walk in victory. And this is a prophecy of that. Bishop Mayo and I had lunch today and he got into that I would that all would prophesy that prophecy was for the whole church I know y'all have heard it I'm telling you right now how to prophesy What am I prophesying to? You're prophesying to the devil. It's gonna be over for you, oh boy. I'm gonna walk on streets of gold. I'm gonna see the walls made of jasper, the gates made with pearl. Devil, I just want you to know, you think I'm gonna quit? You think I'm gonna backslide? Hey, baby, you might not can run like you used to run, Elder, but you still clap those hands. And if you've got a voice, you can still lift your voice with a shout of triumph, with a shout of victory, with a shout of deliverance. song for the sons of Korah. <laughs> Daddy didn't want it. <laughs> Daddy didn't want nothing to do with it, Sister Mayo. But I'm becoming a prophet. I wonder if they knew the implications of what they were singing every time they sang it, Brother Earl. I wonder if every time they went to church and they said, get out the songbook, go to chapter 47. Oh, clap your hands. All ye people, I wonder if they knew they were prophesying to a church in Spokane, Washington in 2023 that says you're coming out of this. I, I wonder if they were talking, if they knew they were talking to an ex-drug addict uh, that depression was trying to get back a hold of you and the devil said, go back and get you another hit, uh, that you were going to say no because I got a promise uh, of victory. turn them loose and I just got a feeling somebody's leaving here with victory but did you know matter of fact I've checked it twice tonight did you know that the average length of a hand clap I read this statistic in the UPC magazine when I was a young man 
and I've been checking it my whole life. The average length of a hand clap in an apostolic church is 35 seconds. For a God that said, let there be light. Now I got, I got, listen, I understand. I understand. We got jobs, we got places to be and people to see and all that good stuff. I, I, I get all of that. But it, it, if I was in Mississippi, I'd say it chaps my hide. It chaps my heart that they can get around the God in the book of Acts. Great is Diana of the Ephesians for two hours without any prophetic utterances, without a promise of victory, without a hope eternal. And we're going to come to church on Monday night. Listen, I know it's Monday. You tired? I'm tired. Everybody tired. Listen, get over that. Is that all right to just be playing tonight? Get over yourself. You're not the first person that ever came to church tired. Oh, Jesus, I'm, 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 I'm feeling like I'm at home right now. You, you, listen, you're not the first person that's ever had to deal with depression and anxiety and fear. You're not the first person that's ever come to church and the devil tried to take you out. But this is how I fight. Is there somebody that's got more than just a 30-second hand clap that'll step out in the aisle and give God a hand clap and a shout of praise that says, I want you to know I will walk in.